0: It's episode 353 of This Is Whole Life. And this week, I'm pretty excited. This is the first time we have ever had a podcast post-Melanie message. Yeah. So she's the star, so I'm not going to say anything more for the rest oh, of the episode. Yeah. And I'm going to turn the microphone on now to Melanie. Go! <laughs> <laughs> she's like,
1: Nice try, Randy. She's
0: like, I don't think so. No. The, and, <laughs> Hmm. The first thing I wanted to actually talk about this week was we got an email. Uh, did you guys get the email? Did you we read got a
2: really nice email.
0: Yeah, from Pam Nolan. Thank she,
2: you, Pam. That yeah, was so you. nice. That was really nice.
0: And she's one of our co-leaders. She's the co-leader. My, I'm correct in that, right? Yep. Co-leader she, for Stephen Ministers. For mm-hmm. Stephen Ministers. Yep. And I, I'm not going to read the whole thing. She just she enjoys the podcast. No,
2: just read the whole thing, Randy. It was so nice. No, no, don't. No, not, okay. <laughs> but
0: but I but I really wanted what she pointed out was, and that she enjoys the podcast, but that hurtfulness of trying to tell people that are suffering, you know, a cliche or something other, you know, something other than positive, and that uh, her and Deanna, who the other co-leader, that they were just very grateful for the reminder that Stephen ministers are available. So if you're having a rough spot in your life and you know, maybe you need someone to talk to. That was one of my two listen.
2: takeaways. My other one was, and my this was one of my 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 oh, other favorite. My other favorite. That was a good. That was one of my favorites. The these banter these is often yeah, that was fun <laughs> and entertaining. <laughs> often, not always. But <laughs> I often was say so. We, we appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> and uh, I, I was I was
3: happy with it. That. Was actually <laughs> one of the first things she said. I think she was trying to get. Hey, yeah. you know what? Let's get to the point,
2: right? <laughs> 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 it's but, uh, often. Yeah, I saw that. That's good. Yeah no we it's we, a lot more often since uh, you know since we've added Melanie
0: yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> a lot more see, often there's there's see there's the laugh right there in the background that we've been waiting for you know the reminder that they're there and that there are people here that have been trained to to help us and to be available and trained in a in a very big way a they lot have. of training yep continued training yeah. they train and then they meet their supervision everybody. every month Every month they meet. Yeah. Well, one, it's
3: actually twice, twice a, month. a month. Right. Yeah.
0: That's what I thought. Twice a month. And so, you know, up on the latest and, and they help each other help you. And so that's a it's a really cool really cool ministry that we have here. And so if that's something you could benefit from, please do reach out. I will actually put the email address in the Good. show notes today. So all you have to do, and also a link to the website. There is some information you can follow on the website, on the website yeah. as well. And I'll put both of those links in today's show notes. So... Let's get started, and then um, Melanie, you did. uh, You told me that I believe on Friday before the message that you would have uh, a nugget or something that you didn't get to in the message, or that had to get cut from the message because the message was a little longer than you had. And I think second, you still said you went pretty long because we didn't. We kind of didn't answer. Q&A questions.
1: Friday was a long time ago. <laughs> oh no! I, I don't remember what all ended up on the cutting room floor. No, no. Okay. So if, if you
0: happen to think of the nugget that you were, you're like, oh, that, I got something that I'm not going to add because for time's sake. So as the conversation rolls, if that happens to pop into mind. Got it. Got it. got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> so this week, Holy Encounters is in our new series. We finished up Follow Me and I just, I, Table Manners. I mean, once, I mean, you, I didn't put it together right away. I'm, I'm a little slow, but then afterwards. I
1: that idiom a little bit. Didn't a it?
0: little <laughs> bit, but i like, you know, Table Manners, this is pretty cool. And when you got to the message, I was like, oh, Oh, table manners. Right. Right. He doesn't have any. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> just different that what, ones that we, that, is, than the ones we would expect, I guess.
0: Different than the ones we would expect. And I, and I noticed that your sermon paragraph was very limited. Mm-hmm. And I and so I was like, man, she didn't really give away anything. We really do have to if we want to know, we got to tune in.
1: Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I I uh, I like to take people along with me on my journey of discovery, so that's why I didn't say very much because I wanted people to to come to the same insights that I came to in my <laughs> preparation, so that we could ar- all arrive at at, uh, at an same. interesting place together. So,
0: well, I think you could have teased a little bit with the. Um the African safari tour guide. Oh, you know, yeah. it, you know, maybe just we should have done a promo where with <laughs> with Stanley with the green screen, and I feel like we could have made a little something out of that because that <laughs> that that story. And you're right. You said every one of us probably has our our story. Mm-hmm. And you know, Ken told his
3: story about actually a positive experience. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you must have a story. Oh, you plenty, got plenty. Matter of fact, as she was talking about her safari driver. It goes back, and I think I've already shared this actually on a, in a sermon. But our safari driver did the same thing. Really, <laughs> he drove into this what looked like a lake to me, and there didn't seem there we was we were running off hippopotamus. You know, they were just leaving the scene. I'm thinking, I we better not get stuck because we had been stuck a couple times that day. The same thing, but he took us right through that lake, and we had no idea that there was actually a bottom. That was a road that was there. And wow. It was on the way to an uh, an airport that I thought I was going to an airport. I was just going to a strip of land <laughs> that. So how long had you, Melanie, how long
0: had you and Tim been married when this happened?
1: How long had we been married? I want to say maybe four years.
0: And Jeff, long been married a while when that happened? Since this happened? Yeah. Oh, we were yeah, probably 35, 36 years. Well, I'll I'll tell my story super quick. Heather and I were on our honeymoon in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. If you know the region, the Puerto Vallarta is in the very end of the Bay of Banderas. And their only claim to fame is the filming of The Night of the Iguana. The Night of the Iguana was filmed in the city and uh, with well, a star of the movie. can't She was a famous actress and just as fast as it was here, it was gone. Clark Gable and oh, who's he married to? Anyway, they had a house there. That, that's like the only thing claim to fame. We stayed way out at the tip of the bay. It was a new resort. We got like a five star resort for nearly nothing. It was like the greatest thing. But to get to town... If you took a taxi, it was 50 U.S. American dollars. If you took the city bus, it was $2. So we're like, we're taking the bus, which was an old Bluebird uh, school bus with front and rear doors. And when we got on at the very tip, all the workers that work in the produce area start coming back from work. Well, we got on and we were one of four people, but pretty soon people with like goats and chickens and... Uh, Other farm animals are piling on this bus, and we're only halfway to town. And pretty soon the bus driver is no longer stopping to pick people up because the bus is like squatting, it's grunting, it's barely making it down. I'm standing on the actual last step out the door in the back with my arms like this, holding everybody else in, and Heather's right in front of me. What's like this? I can't see that. You can't see this. I'm holding on each side. There's a bar of the door, and that's what I'm holding (laughs) onto with my back outside. (laughs) And there's no, I mean, the cliffs just go. Like, there's no safety barriers. There's nothing. And we're going about 35, and we pull up behind a watermelon truck with the sides so you just assume the water, the the boards are going to break, they're going to be all over the road, and he's beeping and waving his fist at this truck who can't see him, we're behind him, so on a blind corner he downshifts and takes off. And I mean, even the even the as we started to get next to him, and we were not moving that much faster than he is, and we finally pull in, and the, it, it was a collective sigh even among the locals that were like, Whoo And I'm like, "Here we are, day I think it was day two of our honeymoon, and we're gonna die on a country on a country mountain road in Mexico."
1: And that's when you knew your marriage could survive anything. After that,
0: it could survive anything. <laughs> awesome. Well, speaking of tour guides. It seems like this story doesn't often get put together in both phases. You either tell the story of his triumphant entry and the you know the palm branches on the road and the Hosanna song and all this kind of stuff. And we, we either look at that story and then it's like, well, these are kind of diabolically opposed stories. One's a really feel good uh, up and the other one's kind of a, well,
1: I'm... The The other one's kind of a, what in the world is going on here? (laughs) That's what the other story is. (laughs) At least that's the way I saw it.
0: No, for sure. And it just, it, it, it seems like those don't get really put into the same, the same story as a message, but I thought it worked really, really well for the point that you were trying to make. But does Jesus choose this in the, like the course of the day? I mean, he has to know. He has to know what's going to happen. I mean, he tells them to go get the the donkey and tell them that if anybody asks, tell them, you know, all this stuff. And he has to know that when he gets to the temple, this is what's going to happen. I mean, does he do this for effect or does he just, is this just happenstance? It just all happens this way so that you can have this really, really high up and this really more... A darker look, but no, it doesn't happen on the same day, though, does it?
1: Well, not according to Mark. Right. That's right. I was just, I just
0: looked at my notes and I was like, that's right. So for me, I'm thinking of this as you're first telling this story, and then you kind of backed up and said, okay, well, Mark says that they Mm -hmm. took off and went to Bethany for the night.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I wouldn't have slept in a wink. (laughs) <laughs> I would have been so angry about what I had seen and how mad I was about how they were treating the temple. If well, the I gospel was Jesus, doesn't
1: say that he actually slept. It just says that they well, spent the night. that's true. <laughs> so <laughs> I assumed
0: <laughs> that maybe he was sleeping. He was learning.
1: <laughs> By I the way, make. Randy, I just thought of a – oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I just thought of a nugget. Yes. This is a fun. Because, you know, the, I, I talked about how each of the gospel writers had a particular reason for writing right, their yeah. gospel. Well, Matthew, it was really important to Matthew to show how Jesus as the Messiah fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. And so that, that one section where he talks about how, Jesus, how, how the Messiah would or the king would ride in on a donkey and its colt, in Matthew, he has his disciples go get both a donkey and its colt, and they spread their coats over the donkeys so he could ride them
0: both at the same time?
1: Apparently that's what Matthew says. I'm not sure exactly how that worked. I'm gonna I'm guessing side saddle. I don't know but Matthew says he has he rode both the donkey and it's colt and that happens to also be what it says in the in the prophecy. So he was trying to make sure make really sure that Jesus fulfilled all the aspects of the prophecy. So
0: So if he's sitting side saddled do you think the like the colt's a little bit shorter so he's kind of got like a hassock uh,
1: kind of comfort comfort thing? I, we would have to ask the author of Matthew. Matthew I really don't, I don't know. know. But that there's is, but there's an extra extra little tidbit for you. That is interesting
0: though. Be. Like he's got to make sure that we know that the, this is prophecy being fulfilled, mm-hmm. not just a story to not be just told. A story. Well, that's yeah. so cool, but usually I hear this story, and it's the the anger, and then no one knows what to do with the anger,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so you, you kind of set it up with what did you say a holy temper or mm-hmm. or righteous rage, and I wonder in this instance is does everyone feel like this is Jesus really? I mean, he takes the night at Bethany. Maybe he's upset. Maybe he's not. I mean, I, we don't know, but you get back and you, you know, you're flipping tables and you, you have the, you have the whip, he takes time to make the whip. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this a human emotion that just almost proceed or supersedes the divine? The divine's like, all right, well, we can't go too far, but man, the human side of me is really upset. And I've, I've also often wondered because no one will ever seems to want to pinpoint or think about what maybe Jesus was feeling at that point.
1: Well, now you're asking questions about uh, incarnational theology and um, also the nature of Christ. So, I don't know—is the podcast long enough for that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I, I see. If, if you said words I understood, then I would know maybe if we had time for that or not. But but it just made it often. I, I do wonder though, like just how that how the, the human part. I mean, and maybe it doesn't make any difference. But if there's a more of a human angle to it. Then it does make me feel better that at least Jesus, while he was here on earth, it's one of the, it would be an instance where, man, when you see something like this happening, it really would make you angry. And it'd be at least maybe like, well, Jesus wasn't as different as I am. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know.
1: I, d- I don't have an answer for that because I don't know the answer yeah. to it. But it is interesting to think about. I think sometimes we we think about God as being immutable. You know that God doesn't God doesn't respond emotionally. But there are lots of indications in the Bible where God seems to feel regret, joy, sadness, anger.
3: Hmm. At least that's how we get it portrayed. That's
1: how us. it is. Yeah. That's or it's that's, communicated. Humanly? That is how humans perceive.
3: Mm-hmm. what's coming mm-hmm. from god mm-hmm. and how the writers saw it or how the yeah i guess there's a lot
0: of different ways to look at it but it's always it's just always interesting because it, it's usually this it's like well we we flipped the tables and this was a uh injustice this was you know this can't happen in the temple your your house of prayer and
3: that part goes by really quickly but it's the anger part just the one thing that uh, you know the one thing that is interesting in that passage as he calls it my house. Mm. So there's a real sense of ownership, which I think um, uh. is not a human piece to this. You know, in other words, that's not you know we talk about the incarnation part, but uh. this is God. This, you know, this is Jesus being God. This is my house, and I think it's a it's a really interesting piece. And I wonder if we're misplacing anger for a sense of ownership hmm. and and that God is, is saying, you guys are missing the point here. It's not what this is for. And maybe, you know, it, it, it came – I'm not saying he can't be angry. I'm, I, I'm I just saying that this side of him – all of us it's like flashing of divinity maybe where people were like whoa not sticking around here for <laughs> for this stuff
1: so you're thinking maybe it was an act of authority versus yeah an act as of opposed of anger hunger. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah
0: i like that too though i mean i think those are the the kind of fun things to to think about but clearly there were people who were uncomfortable or very uncomfortable with his actions. <laughs> and, you know, maybe so maybe the disciples eve as much as anyone else going like you were just imagining like, hey, wait a minute, we're drawing attention to ourselves, everything. Mm-hmm. Like what happened to just a couple minutes ago? Weren't weren't we just like ready to take over? Yeah, and, we, were,
1: we we're doing so well. <laughs> and now <laughs> And then the wheels came off of the bus. Flipped
0: a, you flipped a couple <laughs> tables and now we're all gonna now we're, we're all, all gonna pay the price for this. But in the other way, Tomas, if you're listening, do you know if whip making is an honor that we could,
3: you know, I mean. Maybe had to go home that night and figure out how to do weaving. Well, that's, <laughs> that's Maybe that's why he went to
2: Bethany. So. You need to be careful. This may turn into a game at the uh, church retreat. Yeah, exactly. ooh, that's right. Ooh, church retreat. We can make a little a nugget for you there. There
0: you go. Well, I thought it was interesting, though, that each person, like you mentioned that, you know, Mark and John and, and Matthew each had a different... A different take on, on the situation. And it, it still made me wonder what they were going through and, and kind of the, when we look at Jesus and we, we don't see things, we don't understand why things have to be the way they are or like, cause that's gotta be out of like totally out of the blue, just like what Jesus is flipping tables and you know, people are afraid of him. I don't think they've ever seen anybody afraid of him other than maybe the demons, I don't know if that had happened yet before this one like the pigs and you know going I I feel like that would have been maybe the most traumatic thing Jesus ever did was watching a herd of these hogs or pigs going off the going off full of demons into the water and drowning but, I mean, this had to be something that really, really shook them up. And I wonder if if there's a lesson or how how he handled, how they handled this, and it doesn't really say, but that we could take away from that as far as when Jesus does things, and we've been talking about this through the follow me, Jesus is going to do things that we're not going to be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Maybe until we see the end of it or we see the result. And then you just, I, I, beautifully, I've never heard the story turn into, we all know that the, the blind and the lame, but you really went deeper into that. Tell me more about like where the the people that were not allowed to be there just it seems so pertinent to where we are today with who we say is, you know, OK or who's, who's not and, and who's, who's out.
1: out. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Like, like I mentioned that uh, the phrase the blind and the lame. Was uh, basically shorthand for a, for a whole category of people. That's a long list
0: that you gave.
1: It's a long list, and the list um, the list grew over time, and started to include you know more people and more, well, I guess you, you could say disabilities, but also things that we wouldn't even consider a disability. And so, it, I mean, it's interesting. I think sometimes we, we take some instructions that God gives and we're like, all right, we're going to clarify this. <laughs> we're going to make sure we understand. And so that list gets longer and starts including more people. And then we, we start drawing mark, marking off territory based on that sometimes.
0: And there never seems to be room to get off the list. You know, I mean like how do you you're, if you're a, you're a foreigner, you're a foreigner right And, and well, if
1: I will say though that in Isaiah Isaiah 56, God speaks specifically about the foreigners and the eunuchs. And the eunuchs eunuchs were were people who were excluded from the temple or the inner courts of the temple. Foreigners were excluded from the inner courts of the temple. And yet Isaiah fifty six prophesies of a time when the foreigners are going to be welcomed in and the eunuchs are going to be welcomed in. Not only are they going to be welcomed into the temple, but God is going to write their name on the temple. Mm. So so there's there's some kind of transition that happens there between, you know, this is a category of exclusion and then this is no longer a category of exclusion. In fact, this is this is who is is supposed to be here to the point that I'm gonna write your name here.
0: Well. I just found it – it just – it did this dad's heart really, really well to hear that the inner and the outer temple was reserved – you know, he's clearing the – he was clearing the way for those who – like he said, there was nothing wrong with them selling and, you know, providing this. And you gave a bunch yeah. of people be like, hey, what if my what if the, they get injured on the way or what if they get lost? or Right. I yeah. Mean, it so, was actually
1: a convenience for people to be yeah. able to buy their sacrifice direct right there at the temple.
0: And and then I just I thought, you know, why don't we include people in, in, in our services? Why don't we include people in our ministries? Because. It's just easier if we don't.
1: Yeah, sorry, you're on the list. Right. No. And and so
0: now you, you even if not you you you've joined the list because well we have to make exceptions or we have to change the rules. We have to you know like Inez, we have to push you up on stage in your wheelchair for it to have you do scripture and prayer. She did a beautiful job. She
1: did a beautiful and, job. And you know
0: um Emily's done prayer before she needed Ellie's help to do it, you know, and it took about, you know, poor Tammy. I felt uh, immediately as dad, I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. You know? And, and, uh, I'm looking at Tammy in the back. She's like, it's okay.
2: Mm -hmm. It's okay.
0: Cause I'm like, I know we're trying to stay on time and you know, she's getting out one word every 30 seconds, (laughs) but that really drove home the point that it's so easy for us who no one would say, you're okay. You're on the list, Mm -hmm. but we have just as many things in our, in ourselves that are, that could put us on the list that nobody knows about Mm. and how that list gets divided. And to still see that this is things we struggle with over 2000 years later.
1: Yeah, it is. And it is interesting that, that all of these, like you were talking about, you don't, you know, you don't necessarily know there are interior things (laughs) and exterior things. And, you know, the bible is clear that people look on the outward appearance and god looks at the heart and yet here was this whole list of mm. of exterior things that were things that put people on the list and so yeah there's kind of a
0: it was just a surprise to me because again i've never looked at this story through that context before and it's you know so many people. There was a lot of talking mm-hmm. going on after <laughs> after church, and you know just you could see people. Even even the camp, some of the camera shots in the, the uh, different times I was down there, and you could just see people like churning in your head like man I'm going to have to chew on this a little bit because this is this makes it a little uncomfortable because the the similarities and the parallels to where we still are it has to make you a little uncomfortable if you have a heart for everybody and what we, you know, what Ken's been talking about when in the show, you know, inclusion. It means participation. It means not that you just get to show up, but that you have to be part of the family. And to see Jesus make it in such an, uh, make it such a public, overt gesture.
1: Well, and I think, I mean, you mentioned that might make us feel a little uncomfortable. I think in some ways it should just bring us great joy and relief to see Jesus. Mm bringing people into belonging and it almost it gives us permission to bring people into belonging like jesus wasn't over there drawing lines you know in in and out jesus was bringing people and then making that space holy by his presence there and that gives us permission to bring people into belonging also
0: mm what would Jesus do and kind of applying it even <laughs> in that in that perspective so clichéd but at the same time just making that connection of and, and, and finding a new story and a new application for that it's really cool. So what you said you'd be happy to nerd out with us <laughs> about you know scholars disagree about you know why why Jesus did this in this way or, you know, what was his, what was his ulterior motive? What was he trying to teach or why, why did this happen? So I was hoping that each one of you might have a, a little insight or at least, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, Ken said, you know, what if, uh, the rich young ruler was Joseph of Arimathea can't prove it necessarily, but there's things. So, um, Jeff, Ken, you weren't here. I'll start with you. Any, anything, uh, <laughs> Anything that you can think of about why you think Jesus uh, was at the temple and made this and made this whole? Th-
2: well, I really, uh, what I really enjoyed was the connection to Ezekiel, where the presence of mm-hmm. of yeah. God leaves the temple. That and, was my next one. Then, so wrap those two together, please. Okay. <laughs> so for me. Um, I think that if you go back to Ezekiel, you have to start exploring the reasons why the, the presence of God left the temple, and uh, you know, without nerding out too far, um, a lot of it had to do with the injustice that was taking place inside of that in, inside of that system. Um, the you know, we like to talk about the witness and the idolatry and that sort of thing that was very much a problem in in Ezekiel's time but also it was a huge problem is just their their um, exclusivity they're um, their, <laughs> their murdering righteous people um, they were getting mad at, at people who they, they weren't taking care of of the poor That was a, a big problem according to uh, the biblical writers. So anyway so God's presence, Leaves the temple, and when God's presence again returns to that temple, God does something that is pretty godlike. He cleanses that area. He he comes in in his physical form and cleanses it and makes it right and and makes space for the people that he wanted to have space made for in the first place. And so, for me, I don't really have a problem with Jesus being angry. I get angry when I see unjust things happening too. And I think that I think God put it in our hearts because it's in God's heart that God gets angry at people who keep other people away from Him. You know, when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, He didn't just mean (laughs) a few of you who are weary, Um, those of you who are weary in the right way, He meant all if you're weary and there's a lot of weary people that come to jesus with their burdens on them and jesus doesn't say get rid of your burdens then come to me he says come to me all you have burdens and i will give you rest Hmm. not you'll give yourself rest and so when i look at that scene i melanie it was just such a terrific sermon to me i just see jesus picking up where he left off um in that sanctuary and cleansing it making space and making space for those who polite society, who religious society said, you don't have a place here. And Jesus said, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do.
3: Yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Well, thanks Ken for taking everything. <laughs> the
2: table. I, I didn't ask to go first, but, <laughs> but I also didn't turn it down. <laughs>
3: uh, no, that was good. Um, actually, the part that I thought was interesting, and and she actually, Melanie, you alluded to this, but how the how one group of people perceived Jesus and this table, these his table manners, and how another group of people mm-hmm. perceived mm-hmm. Jesus and his table yeah. manners, and it and it looked differently to each of those groups, and I think, I, I think that's the the part that I really enjoyed about. And I, I I love about God is he's so much bigger than our little confining conversations and uh perceptions are uh there's another place in Matthew where Jesus talks about he's talking about you know the disciples are actually again they're doing the same thing they're they're going with their own little box that Jesus is in and he, they, then they ask you know about marriage and Jesus gives them you know kind of a a little bit of an answer about marriage. And he says, but you realize there's a whole bunch of other people who will not see it the same way that you do. Mm -hmm. And then he talks about the eunuchs Mm -hmm. actually. And he talks about this group of people who do not see the same way. And I think Jesus, and I think that's the part that we, we, Jesus looks with such much bigger eyes on all of this than, than we do. And I think in his way of handling tables, I think there are a lot of people who find all of a sudden, whoa, this is my place now. This is my yeah. opportunity. So I do think that um, beyond the fact that you know, we could argue all day long about what who why Jesus did it, but the people that he was doing it for understood. They understood. And
0: they knew. Yeah. That's good.
3: Did you want to go deeper than
0: what you've already gone, or is oh, that where we' oh, go? Let's go deep. let's go deep.,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing that I, I would point out is that when God left the temple, it was it was this glory. It was this this cloud. it was it was God's physical manis- manifestation in something that was that was um, grand. And when we think about God leaving, it's almost like, okay, God was fed up with all of this and God was gone, and that's, that's not actually, at least from my, pers- my, my nerd perspective, that's not actually what was happening.
0: Except it kind of sounds that way.
1: Right, yeah, God had, God had to leave, but why did God leave? God left so that God could come back in person, that's an incarnation reference right there, so God could come back in person and be closer than before. Because (laughs) now God is in human form and God is interacting on a human level with human people.
0: 600 years sounds like a long time, though.
1: It it was a long time. Yeah, I I don't. But, you know, I mean, if, if you're God and you created time and you exist outside of time, maybe, you know, like... A thousand years is like a day or something like
0: that. I think I've heard that somewhere yeah. before. <laughs> and, and by the way, Ruby uh, Pabianowski, I know you're not listening, but your parents might. <laughs> and so, good job, Ruby. That was a great voiceover yeah. Yeah. in the video. Yeah, yeah, she
1: did that and told that story with such dramatic effect. That yeah. was fantastic. It
0: Excellent. was good in yeah. That was great. And I thought about it. And then to do things in the reverse order, I thought that was also interesting. And there's just, there was just so many pieces that had you thinking this week about. About this story in a different way, so I would invite you, if you have not heard the message, to please go back and watch it. It's on our website. It's already up uh, on the homepage. You can click on latest sermon right there, uh, and you'll be taken directly to it. Because it was definitely a different look at the subject, at least of any any uh, coming at it from this perspective that I've seen before. So. Now we're going to get to those questions we didn't have time to. We didn't really have time for Stanley. Did actually a great job of exactly like don't feel like we could let her off without asking any questions. I I was (laughs) going to get
1: away with it. And nope.
0: And so we're going to start with uh, Cecilia. You did give us a short answer, and she said, how do we decide between reacting like flipping the table, Jesus, or turn the other cheek, Jesus? And your short answer was Jesus flips the Jesus flipping the table and it does it in defense of other people. Turn the cheek, Jesus responds for himself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I thought that was a pretty good answer, though. Right in the too. right there, and I'm like, well, I'm interested to hear where this goes from here because it doesn't sound easy, but it sounds logical, yeah. and maybe. Almost all-encompassing, no? What else would you add?
1: (laughs) Well, I would just add that I don't think turning the cheek always means, you know, what is that? And Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya. You keep using that word. I'm not sure it means what you think it means. Um, (laughs) Turning the other cheek, like it's a reference that, that I don't think we get the way that Jesus listeners would have gotten it. We think of if someone hits you on your right cheek, you you know you turn your other cheek, and then they hit you on that cheek, and that's what turning the other cheek means. But you know, I I have heard that in Jesus' time, you know, you had a clean hand, and then you had a a hand that you used for other things that were not as clean. Are you and saying so- using
2: the bathroom? Is that what you're saying? Yes. I okay. Just, wow. Thanks. Th- thanks for just, just bringing that home. Just want to make sure that I understood yeah. correctly what you were trying table to say. Manners, yes. Table manners. Table manners. Look at me
1: trying to be all delicate. Thanks for just bringing it. Just, bringing it back.
2: I'm just slow. I have to. <laughs> I have to. I just know. want to make sure we're all on the same page. I just need to know.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Jesus is saying if if someone strikes you uh, with with their right hand. And then you turn the other cheek. That basically puts them in a position where they have to—they have to use their unclean hand. <laughs> Ken, would you like to describe that a little bit more? No.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you want me to, I can. <laughs> <laughs> then
1: that would require that person to use the left hand, which would be
2: the something that hand. people
1: don't want to do. So, so almost it's a little bit. Uh, It's a little bit cheeky. Is that that a little bit cheeky? Because what what Jesus is saying is almost like, sure, go ahead and do this, and then say, go ahead and do the other side, and then that person would be put in a in an awkward situation because they wouldn't use the other hand. And it's it was kind of the same thing with if you know if someone asks you to to uh, give you you know give you one thing and then you give them everything, you know, I mean that creates an awkward situation also. So yeah, turning the other cheek doesn't always necessarily mean just taking it it sometimes means exposing the other person in such a way that they're, what am I, exposing, somebody, somebody exposing, help me out here. Are like
0: exposing their intentions for what they truly are versus a thinly veiled, like, we're, we're gonna kind of, uh, we're gonna play passive aggressive. And, well, and I,
1: I mean, you know, maybe, like, all right, if you're gonna do this, take it to the next level. Yeah. Take it to the next level. So, yeah, I think we think of turning the other cheek, like, oh, you know,
3: as always it. being passive always being a passive. doormat
1: Yeah,
3: I don't think that that's what Jesus was asking us to be I think he was asking us to be that person who is is wise at how we understand relationships hmm. that relationship I, I am not going to just put myself out there to like you say to be a, you know just abused but I do get a chance to take this conversation to a level where both of us are vulnerable enough to to create honesty. There you go. Nice. Jeff filling in the blanks for yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Now,
0: unfortunately, when I uh, printed this out, I did not notice that the names were cut off on the side. So whoever you are, this is a great, great question, but I can't tell you who it is because all it left me with was an A on the end. So maybe if you were somebody named, uh, then this would be to you. <laughs> Sorry. So how come it seems that people that follow Jesus, their lives seem to be so much of a struggle?
3: Hmm.
1: I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit before in previous podcasts. I think, I think the, possibly the reason why our struggles seem amplified is that we have an expectation that God would relieve us of our struggles. And so when they happen, they seem, um, we're almost offended. Like, why is this even happening to me? You know, I'm following Jesus. Everything's supposed to go well, but I think that everybody has struggles, but I think your expectation of how God is going to interact with you or how you think God should interact with you and your life makes a determination of of how you understand that struggle.
0: I think it's about how you look back on that struggle, too, because I think you can You – we've all been in a place where you struggle or maybe your relationship with God wasn't so good. And what did you get out of it in the end? There was – it was just, well, I guess I survived. But did you learn a lesson? Did you see a a spot where maybe God sent someone in your life, like in another struggle, and you don't maybe realize it till later and go, wow, that could have been a whole lot worse if God hadn't intervened. And there's no other explanation for why this person or this situation turned out as it did other than it's the unknown or the known that God was there with me.
1: Well, and I don't even know that we can always assign meaning to struggle. I think sometimes struggle is just plain old struggle struggle. and there's no there's no like moral of the story, there's no (laughs) lesson, there's no, you know, bright, shining, you know, whatever silver silver lining on the clouds. Sometimes it's just struggle. Hmm.
0: I like that too. Good something to think about. All right, anonymous, I know it's you because I didn't need the A O N O N. (laughs) I just need the (laughs) Wymus on the M. So this is from Anonymous who probably won't care that I didn't get their name right. I think Jesus showed the example that it is okay to be angry and sin not, especially when we see injustice. We can find courage to flip the table and or the script. I think we kind of covered that, but yeah. uh, that's agreed. I think that was uh, – I don't. obviously Jesus didn't sin in there, so there wasn't like there was
3: well, – I don't think that anger is – I mean anger is an emotion. Obviously yeah. you can – you can take anger in it to its uh, physical, maybe maybe a wrong turn on a on that level, but anger is another emotion that could be you know, that can be useful. A lot of times, people think it's a useless emotion, but it's a it's a really important emotion for conviction towards uh, action towards you know. So yeah, um, I, I hate to try to make anger into you know Something negative different. or positive. You know?
0: Yeah. All right. So here is the big question of the week. It's from God's girl. And she said, we are to include the marginalized people. Where, when do we differentiate between including and welcoming, for example, LGBT persons, and then sharing the biblical truths about this lifestyle choice? How do we balance love of all people? And she followed that with, I have a friend
2: that has asked me where our church stands on this.
1: That's a big question.
2: It's a huge question. The uh, You know, uh, it was God Girl? God's Girl. God's Girl. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Thanks for asking the question. I think that's a question all of us have wrestled with in this room um, at one time or another in our life. And, um, you know, I'm glad that you felt comfortable being able to ask it. And uh, one of the things I would just say is that for me, you know, I would love to probably have this conversation more in a— you know, if your friend is having the question, I'd love to be able to chat with your friend about it personally. A lot of times when we're in a podcast, we answer the question we think you're asking as opposed to the question maybe you're really asking. And um and so for me there's there's that part of it, but I do want to kind of touch on a couple of things. Emily, this is your sermon, so I don't know if you uh you wanna jump in or you want me to jump in on this.
1: Go ahead and, and finish your thought.
2: Yeah. Um So I think that one of the things that I would really um, like to emphasize is that here at Whole Life, we don't draw a distinction between welcoming and participation. It's really important. We believe that being welcoming means that we allow participation, and we don't draw lines amongst groups of people um, one way or the other on participation. Participation is important. Um, it's a part of being in in the presence of God is being a part of parti- is participating in it. Um, you know, you asked uh, a question about sharing biblical truths. I've come back to something that I believe is is fundamental, and that there is only one truth, and it is a person named Jesus. And it is never a bad time to share Jesus with anyone. Mm. Yeah, uh, on the other hand, there are some bad times to share what we believe to be peripheral truths, particularly when we, we go into that without the willingness to, uh, to have humility, to listen to others, to hear that there may be other perspectives out there on things, and particularly when we put tables that get in the way of people getting to Jesus, to letting the truth speak to them directly. Mm. There's a lot of times where I wanna impose my truths, my biblical truths on Melanie, on on Jeff, on you, Randy. Um, I have my perspectives. I have things that I believe very strongly. But the longer I go in my career, (laughs) the more I realize that as the Holy Spirit in Jesus shares the truth with people, the more they actually hear it. But the more Ken shares it, the less (laughs) they hear it. And the less they're open to it, yeah. And that doesn't negate my responsibility as a, as a pastor to share biblical things, biblical truths. But what I see, my primary responsibility is lifting Jesus up, putting Jesus front and center, and being a guide that points people towards Jesus, not towards the state of the dead. Not towards even the Sabbath, which I love with my whole heart and believe, but towards Jesus, who embodies all truth, and let Jesus work on people in his time and his way. And so I don't know if I hope that that answers God's girl where we stand as a church. We believe that everybody is welcomed, everybody is included, and everybody is given a place to participate. And when I said a week or two ago, all, I meant all, all are welcome because we just believe that people become transformed when they come into the presence of Jesus not transformed necessarily in the way that Ken thinks they should be transformed but in the way that Jesus knows is best and so that's the um, that, that's kind of where I stand on that particular question anything to add anybody
1: I think that was a great summation
3: you know i it goes back to Melanie's sermon that I think all of us need to broaden a bit of our focal point. I'll bet you if I was one of the ones that was at that table and got incensed by Jesus flipping it, but if I hung around and I walked back in and saw who was in there with Jesus, mm, yeah. And if I walked back in there and started to experience what was actually going on, I would
2: have a better understanding as to why my table got flipped.
0: So you're saying you might- It depends
2: might. on the state of your heart too, Jeff. I think yeah. that some of those people walked in were still completely outraged because- They might have been. Because yeah. their heart wasn't in a place that was interested in the person yeah. over their perceived this is what is right, and, and maybe even more- I'm making money. What are you doing to me? And I think that, you know, one of the things we just strive at whole life is to see people as people, not as groups, not as labels, but as individuals that Jesus died for, that he gave his life for all, not Ken, not Melanie only all, and and that when we look at a person, we don't just slap this label or that label on them and determine that we're going to fix the label that we put on them, but rather we say, I'm going to bring you, like the disciples, I'm going to bring you to Jesus, and I'm going to let Jesus help you and deal with whatever it is. You know, it's interesting to me that even Jesus would ask people, what do you want when they would come to him to be healed, what is it that you want? Mm. And sometimes we are going about trying to correct people for areas of their lives that that is not what they need help with. And Jesus actually cared enough to say, what is it that you want? And and he would reach out to them and care about them on a personal level. We so many times trying to solve problems that that is that that you have to solve other problems before there's any conversation about anything else. And that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus looked at the individual. He had just all throughout the Gospels, he says he looked at them and had compassion. And I just wonder how often we are looking at people with compassion and saying, man, your life must be difficult you know, if we, you know, if we go to the LGBTQ community, can we just say, man, life has to be difficult for you? I mean, the the suicide rate within that community is heartbreaking. And if it doesn't break your heart and make you say, Why? What can I do to, to alleviate what's happening in this community? It breaks my heart. If we can't have compassion. And love and care more than being right. Then, are we really Christ followers? Are we really following Jesus, or are we just on an agenda that's driven by our politics or our or cultural baggage that we have at times? And, and I think that's just—it's an important thing for us to. Care about people, and I know I'm. I, I hear people say, "Well, you know, caring about people is telling them the truth." And I agree, but we use the word differently. I believe that the truth is Jesus, and I will never hesitate to tell somebody about Jesus, because Jesus said the the, the scriptures that prophesied said that He didn't break the weakest reed. You think I don't know if you've ever seen like you know yeah. really <laughs> weak reeds but let me tell you they're not hard to break and Jesus had a gentle touch. I I break rocks sometimes <laughs> that's that's my personality I, I'm not gentle but Jesus is And so for me I want to be careful that when I work with people who are marginalized who are hurting that are being um, just just given a hard time, I wanna make sure that I, that I love them, that I see them as a person, not as a group of whatever, and that, I, that I'm taking them to the truth, not simply a creed.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Well, and I think so many times the disciples, you know, who are surrounding Jesus, you know, somebody would come along and they would say, hey Jesus, do you want me to send them away? Do you Mm -hmm. want me to send them on their way? Yeah. And not one single time did Jesus (laughs) say yes. Not one single time. Jesus said, no, bring them to me. And I think if we are, like you said, Ken, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're not going to be looking for reasons to draw lines or turn people away. We're going to keep bringing people to Jesus, keep bringing people to Jesus. That's going to be what we do. And if we're trying to keep people away from Jesus, then we're working opposite of what Jesus was doing the whole time.
2: Yeah. You know, and and again, it goes back to, are we a place that weary people can come and find rest? Is that the place that we are? Or are we a a place that they come to find the other rest, W-R-E-S-T? the right answer is r e s t rest rest w r e s t is is a, is a struggle it's a fight so which one are we inviting people to the one that jesus invited them to was r e s t rest, rest. Hmm. Yeah. and so um you know i know that can make people feel uncomfortable i know it can make us say well i don't know don't why aren't we why are we calling out things that are you know sinful or or doing this um I guess I just read through Jesus, and Jesus wasn't afraid to tell the truth at the right place at the right time, but Jesus was also so gentle, so careful. And it, it, it occurs to me that Jesus was far more likely to have strong things to say to people like Ken Wetmore, who are pastors and who are religious leaders, who are getting in the way of other people coming to him, than he was to say to those people that were coming with all the hurt and pain that had been piled on them by society. And so, you know, I think this is one of the things that I love about Whole Life. This is a safe place for people to come. There are plenty of unsafe uh, churches in Christianity for people to go to, if that's what they want. But this is, Whole Life is a safe place for people to come and find rest, and we're unapologetic about that. This is a safe place to find Jesus, to let Jesus speak to you, and to allow Jesus to transform you in the way that Jesus wants to transform you in the timetable that Jesus has for you. And so I think that's just a, a beautiful thing about whole life and um, I just want to thank God's girl for giving us the chance to talk about that. Yeah, and again, just want to encourage you and your friend, if you want to talk about it, unpack it further with me or, or any of the other stuff, we'd be more than happy to sit down and, and have a more nuanced, but maybe that we didn't answer your question at all. That wasn't what you're going for, or you you wanted more information than we gave. And I would be delighted to sit down and have a further conversation with you um, or your friend for that matter, Yeah. Um, if they want more information.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and it always, it, it occurred to me while you were kind of laying that out about how gentle Jesus is. And obviously we're not Jesus and we're a church full of broken people, even as a staff. I mean, we can all admit that. But which one of us doesn't want that gentle touch for our journey? And so why wouldn't we want to make that a safe place for everybody? You
2: know, there's there's an often quoted, um, people say, you know, well, you know, the woman that was caught in adultery, Jesus told her go and sin no more. Right. But I think it's important to remember when Jesus said it. It was after everybody else had left. He he basically everybody all her accusers right, leave. Yeah. yeah. And then Jesus has something to say to her as God. And it's interesting that Jesus does not condemn her in front of the people condemning her. And I think that's a really important thing to think about. Yeah. And I don't think this is at all what God's girl is trying to get at, but I, it seems to me that within Christianity, those of us who don't have a dog in the fight, you know, we love to go ahead and hear a strongly worded sermon about something that we're good on, um, and it's a little less comfortable when it's something we're not good on, That, and we all want the tender touch when it's an area of our life that that we're struggling with that we're asking ourselves you know can god still love me I, I have people telling me that god doesn't love me we all want to hear that god loves us and through the person that we are and we want that and 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 yet we somehow oftentimes are so Slow to give that to others, yep. you know, that that kindness and love.
3: Yeah, I, I want to jump in on that just because a lot of times, and this kind of fits really well with this conversation, and that's a great conversation to have, is Jesus does wait. Because I think that when he says, go and sin no more, you know, we, we all look at that and go, stop being a stop. prostitute. right? As if... She had this temptation every day to just be a prostitute. That was, that was her big temptation. She really wanted to go down that road. I think what Jesus is, is saying to her is he's saying, you've got another option. You've got another option and it doesn't have to exclude me. You have another option that includes me and tr- let's move down that road. Let's take that road. Maybe she became a follower. I you know. Sure. Yeah. All I'm saying is that we tend to create what we believe God is against. Mm. And that's what we believe God goes after because we're the ones that have a problem with it. So I think sometimes we have to look at this from the standpoint of let's try to see if we can have God's eyes in these things too so that we can – understand that what we think is wrong bad or whatever we decide to create you know labels on may not be what Jesus is going after at that time that's all
0: yeah and i think melanie wrapped that up really really well and it was a statement that you hope that the person that maybe you've been witnessing to that maybe the Holy Spirit is put in your path or the meetings that you've had. And, you know, for some reason they come to church or they tune in online and watch where it's, you know, quote unquote safe. Nobody knows I'm here. And at towards the very end of her message, she said, maybe that's how we know when Jesus shows up, because marginalized people feel safe. And it's so beautiful. And they know it's their turn with Jesus. Hmm. And if that doesn't okay. hit you. We're right in the heart as, you know, think of that person that you know that you love that has been marginalized or maybe it's been yourself and then you realize that it's your turn. That's pretty special. And I think that's, again, I don't think anyone would ever proclaim that we think we're a perfect church here at Whole Life, but that is the intention and that is the heart of everyone on staff and our members and, and it's a safe place to come. And I really appreciated that, the way you closed it up because that was uh, – that was just a grabber that uh, and one to hold on to. And we've got two more coming in this. I case. know. <laughs> Next week it's sibling rivalry. Sibling rivalry.
2: And I, I looked, vote we extend it through the month. Of, uh, <laughs> I looked April. in the notes
0: and there was no more information this week
3: than there was last no, week. No, it's Melanie?
1: like I want to take everyone with me on a particular journey oh, of that's discovery right. or the something. Journey
3: thing. I forgot about that. You know, it's like Tammy and I will watch a trailer and we'll get halfway to the trailer and we go, "Stop it! Let's stop this trailer." It tells us too much that we don't want to yes. know. <laughs>
2: All right. So if you I feel empowered to write less now in the fu- in, in the, mean, future, there you go. the future too. Oh so well here, here's the
1: thing. This is Fred Craddock was a famous homiletician And he always said, If I tell you what I'm gonna tell you, then why do you need to listen to me for the next twenty-five minutes? So I figured, all right, I'm gonna be like Fred Craddock.
0: There you go, well, there you go, Fred. You ruined it for the rest of us who are used to, you know, can at least you know giving us something to bite on. Even if it's even if it's Purposefully misleading, which uh, isn't that bearing false witness.
1: Randy, are you saying yes. there's no bait on my hook whatsoever? There's is no b- <laughs> <laughs> there is,
2: So I'm the velvet sledgehammer, and she's the baitless hook. <laughs> so
0: you know, if you think we're catching fish, and yet this, we
2: all we all bit on it, it was it was good, huh?
0: If you think we're catching fish this week, then you better tune in for sibling rivalry. I don't know how you catch anything without a worm on that hook, or you know, maybe some shrimp like you do in the Gulf.
2: But uh, so sibling rivalry is a pretty good, pretty good bait. Yeah.
0: Sibling rivalry. All <laughs> right. Well, you heard it here first. That's what's up next week. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you are too. Because we uh, we had a great message this past week, and if you didn't see it, definitely go back and check it out. Because it was uh, just a unique way to hear this message. So, that being said, come on back next week, and we'll do it all over again. Have a great week, everyone. Great-